come and change us that we might be more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, last week we had the challenge of looking at what healing is, how we go about healing, how God does healing or doesn't do healing, our understanding and maybe misunderstandings. And this week we're looking at another encounter with Jesus. And the encounter with Jesus here is with Peter. Peter's a well-known character as a number of times. Matthew mentions him numerous times in, 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 in his gospel. And uh, so we're all a bit familiar with, with, with Peter, aren't we? A little bit impulsive, you know. You know when, he, when he was asking, who do you say that I am? Oh, you're the Christ, Lord. And, and, and I'll follow you all the way. Even if everybody else fails you, I'll be there, Lord. We all know that character, don't we? This is the same character, Peter, here, who's having this conversation with Jesus. Oh, how he must have reflected back on this conversation in years later when he came to deny Jesus and said he didn't know anything about him. So I'm wanting us to look at this challenging area of forgiveness. And in God's books, it isn't limited forgiveness, it's unlimited forgiveness. Two little brothers were having a bit of a squabble and uh, uh, unfortunately Harry hit James with a stick and it caused him, tears followed and he was upset and he ran to mum well he's just done we've all been there too haven't we eventually mum knocks the heads together and before they went to bed she says right I want you to apologise to him now and I want you to say you're sorry and I want you to forgive your brother and uh, so uh, the one who had, uh, the one who had uh, been hit with the stick turned to mum after some thoughts and he says, well, I will forgive him this once, but if I don't die overnight, he better watch it tomorrow. <laughs> and some of us have been hurt in various degrees. And our natural impulse is to get even. And few would dispute our right to get even. The golden rule that many would follow is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or the cynic might say, do them before they do you. And Jesus tells this parable. It was Jesus' way of helping the followers to grasp a spiritual truth here. So it's not about taking this story and reading every, every, something into every line here. He's painting a picture to, for us to help grasp, a spirit, uh, uh, to bridge from the natural to the spiritual. And Peter poses this question, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother how many times should I forgive my brother and I began to think when I was reading this was his brother Andrew really that bad <laughs> were they fighting like cat and dog and maybe you've asked that same question how many times 
Have I got to forgive them? The rule of thumb by the rabbis of the time was that someone should forgive someone no more than three times. So when Peter was proposing that he thought he ought to be generous in order to forgive somebody seven times, he thought he was being overwhelmed. Well, it's double plus one. How generous, Peter, you are. I guess he was expecting Jesus to say to him, well, here's the surprise. And over the last number of weeks when we've done encounters with Jesus, there's always been a surprise. Here's another surprise. Jesus' response was that he ought to forgive 70 times 7. Now, that doesn't mean doing the calculation. Oh, oh, okay, 490 times and therefore we tick it off. No, no, no. What it means is unlimited forgiveness. How many times, Peter, have you got to forgive? It's unlimited forgiveness. Because, you see, that's how God works. That's how much God has offered forgiveness to us. It's unlimited. One translator put it like this, of the 70 times 7. He said, what it says is, or another way of putting it is, go on and on and on forgiving. Wow. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? If you're being really honest with yourself. A poster outside a church said, read this, forgive your enemies, it messes with their heads. Because they don't expect it. And Jesus draws us all into this parable as we listen in to him telling this shocking story. And more shocking is that we might be like that servant who hadn't forgiven his fellow servant. What does forgiveness look like There's a massive, overwhelming debt. And the king demanded full payment for the debt owed. And you can imagine everybody else around nodding. Yes, we know the sort of king and we know the sort of character. The servant was in debt, well, to millions of pounds in, in today's money. And there was no way he could pay his way out of that debt. And the consequences of unpaid debt was that he had to sell his whole family into slavery in order to pay for the debt. Forever and a day. That was the only other solution. That they were tied to the king to serve him for the rest of their days and his wife and the kids. And I guess listening in with the crowd around Jesus, they may have all thought, yeah, 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 we know that sort of character too. So you should, King. Maybe as many in our community who know of the struggles of living with debt and it feels like a millstone around their neck and the result is that 
being in debt has kept them bound and imprisoned and at the mercies of someone and that they're never free. I wonder if that servant I wonder if you, like that servant, sorry, have been accruing a massive debt. Only the Bible calls that massive debt sin. It simply means missing the mark. Not quite coming up to God's standards. And we've said it before, don't play the comparison game. Oh, well, I'm not as bad as her or as bad as him. But you see, our standard is Jesus we've all missed the mark can we see that we're like the servant with that massive debt that goes into trillions and that there's no way we can ever pay off before God's our good deeds can't you see and that's been some of the false philosophy and religion of our world I was brought up with that philosophy, be a good lad and that'll please God. Do good works and you'll get a tick in the box. Give to charity and you'll get another tick. It's a lie. It's not true. Because otherwise, why would Jesus go to the cross and die for you and me? It was because we weren't good enough. So however hard you work at it, however many acts of kindness, however many promises I'm going to try harder, God, we're all accumulating a massive debt and we need someone to show mercy towards us and to rescue us before we drown and are overwhelmed. And the king couldn't ignore this debt forever. And nor did he want to sweep it under the carpet. But like the parable, it will catch up with us eventually. And a day of reckoning would come. The consequences of our massive debts is death and a separation from God. What does forgiveness look like? The day of reckoning had come for this servant in massive debt. And he pleaded before the king. He knew he was unable to pay back the massive debts. The servant was helpless and hopeless and he begs for mercy from the king and to everyone's surprise the king the master took pity on his servant he was moved with compassion and here's the surprise in the story as they was listening to it is that the king's response wasn't to give him a reprieve or a second chance to repay the debt but that he cancelled the debt completely cancelled it 
There was no way he could pay in, I don't know how many lifetimes. He completely cancelled the debt. He doesn't disregard the offence or sweep it under the carpet. He doesn't pretend that it never happened. You see, it would have cost the king to cancel that massive debt. He, as it were, absorbed the cost of the debt of his servants. And he condemns the fault and he spares the doer as well. You see, that's what a forgiving God does for us. The king had shown mercy and showed pity and compassion and he cancelled the debts. And then you might expect people to say, oh yeah, he cancelled the debt, but he kept them as slaves. And here's the other astonishing surprise. He said, no, he cancelled the debt and he set him free. This is bonkers. And yet this is an image that Scripture is giving us of what does forgiveness look like? It's cancelling the debt and it's setting him free. So he didn't have to live as an ongoing slave but he was set free. And when Christ died for us on the cross, it cost him his life. He absorbed, as it were, our debts and he cancelled the debt, as Scripture says, when he nailed it to the cross. But it also says that he set us free. He pardoned us. I'm glad there was an amen there somewhere. He cancelled the debt and he set us free. Unbelievable. If you ever knew the debt that I was in before God, and you might be saying exactly the same, that's unbelievable. Amazing grace. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand, said the psalmist, but with you there is forgiveness. So, we who are forgiven much, is the challenge, are called to exercise forgiveness as a principle of life. We who are forgiven much, uh, where our debt is cancelled and we're set free, we're called to reflect that in our life. You see, because that's something God does. And it seems to me the more and more I've thought about forgiveness, forgiveness is an act of love. It's a God thing. And so the church is called to exercise forgiveness and it be our way of life. Turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, 
loving our enemy and praying for those that persecute us is contrary to the way in which the world around us has lived. Paul exhorts those in the church in Colossians, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. It's surely been a constant challenge for the disciples of Christ in whatever age they've lived. This isn't an easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy thing. And no one has ever said that forgiveness is easy. But it is a necessity. What does forgiveness look like? Well, if you remember that story, there's another shock in that story. The shock in the story is that the relief and joy that at first we felt when the servant had been pardoned and set free, he then turns on one of his fellow servants who probably owed him a few coppers in comparison and instead of doing likewise, I'm cancelling your debt, mate. Go on, and I'm setting you free. He had him dragged up before the powers that be in order to get back what was his. No mercy expressed, no compassion expressed, no love expressed. What a shocker! And I wonder as the folk were gathered around Jesus that day and as we gather around that story today and there may be one or two going, awful, isn't it? That some might think, gosh, that's me. I've been like that too. God's forgiven me a massive debt. But then I've gone after those who have offended and hurt me in one way or the other. And I've not let it drop. I've not let it go. And I constantly remembered the debt that somebody else is in towards me. Some would argue that sin was sin. It's been an evangelical thing for centuries. Well, sin is sin. And I don't want to trivialise this. But it seems to me there is a vast difference between a white lie being told and a pencil being nicked from work and somebody being traumatised by murder, adultery, or abuse. And it seems when you look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, God provided different sacrifices for different things. So it, it's too glib a thing to say, well, sin is sin. Because I think if we're being really honest as human beings, we'd all say, yeah, you're absolutely right, Steve. 
Well, you might not, of course. <laughs> Telling a fib and beating somebody to death is exactly the same. Because there are consequences from those actions that happen in people's lives. And some of us have been deeply hurt and carry those scars through our lives. So let's not be glib about this sin stuff and this forgiveness stuff and it's easy peasy and you should forgive. But how can we forgive? The truth is that we've been forgiven much and set free and we need the help of God to reflect that in our lives to others and to those that have offended us and as it were, pass on that to others. How can we forgive what does it look like? Part of that is forgiveness is letting go. It's not keeping a record of wrongs. Rowan Williams, who was once the Archbishop of Canterbury, offers a helpful illustration of how we're called to pass on forgiveness. And he draws on one of the stories of the early church fathers by saying, it's a bit like teaching a child to do something. The parent does it carefully a few times and then steps back and says, now you show me. God forgives us. And then he steps back and says, now you show me how to forgive. The church is called to exercise forgiveness. And this is our way of life. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the challenge I hear in my head is, really? Who are you helping most when you forgive the person you hurt? You're actually helping yourself more than any other person. As you begin to let go and stop carrying baggage, forgiveness is letting go. Either when somebody burgles our house, we scream and shout and we chase them down the street and we grab hold of them and we, we do justice ourselves. We sort them out. Or we get on the phone and we call the police and say, somebody's been in here. And we allow justice to take its course. We're leaving the ultimate justice to God. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. 
That's important to have in our heads here. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. Will not the God of all the earth do that which is right? Wolf, one of the uh, theologians from uh, what was known as Yugoslavia when that was all broken up and, and and towns and cities were devastated and he was in the midst of all that at the time so he's coming from a place of real heartache and pain but he says that forgiveness is a choice you make to release yourself from anger, hatred and resentment forgiveness is letting go but forgiveness is costly For the king who wrote off the debt, it cost the king millions and he absorbed the cost to release his servant. When Christ rose from the dead, do you remember? He still had the scars of crucifixion on his hands. Forgiveness is costly. You may remember the suicide bombings in London in 2005 and the Reverend Julie Nicholson's daughter was killed on the 7th of July with those suicide bombings. She was unable to reconcile the Christian concept of forgiveness with her own ability to forgive the men who murdered her daughter. And she stepped down from her role as a parish priest. Forgiveness is costly. Equally, I remember well, whether you do or not, I don't know, but it was a local thing to us in, up in Manchester when a policeman was gunned down by a terrorist group in Manchester in 2003. Stephen Oakes was the policeman. He was a follower of Jesus. He went to one of the Baptist churches in Manchester area. And his father, Robin, who had served also in the police force, says he believes forgiveness is possible in every situation in life where someone has been hurt or accused. He says it's part of the healing process. It's taken from us the bitterness and the anger that we might have had and we might still have. We've been healed from that. I wonder if, as we touched on forgiveness, on healing last week, and we said healing was far bigger than just a physical healing. I wonder if you can actually see forgiveness is part of God's healing for ourselves too so what an important message it was for Peter to hear later when he receives the forgiveness from Jesus and how many times have you have you denied me Peter three times and do you remember and, and, he, and how many times how many times will you love me Peter Lord you know I love you offering that unending unlimited forgiveness to Peter 
But there are folk here today, I suspect, who bear scars of pain and suffering, but have known of God's tender love and compassion, bringing healing and restoration and wholeness and newness of life. Not through striving to do of our own accord, but with the help of God. Forgiveness is costly. And may I say, forgiveness is a journey. I've heard sometimes people say, when somebody's been hurt by somebody, well, you must forgive them. Demanding the forgiveness in any particular situation. But when somebody's been badly traumatised, I don't mean nicking a pen from work, I don't mean somebody necessarily calling you by name. When somebody's been traumatised by life events, it seems to me that there are things in life that might trigger those traumas. Whether that's a smell, whether that's a face, whether that's some music, whether that's a place, and that it can cause all of those, if you like, bad feelings to come back and thinking, I haven't really forgiven that person, have I? I want to have them hung, drawn and quartered again. And it seems to me forgiveness is a journey. Because I've been there. And that when those feelings and sensations rise to the surface, don't listen to the old enemy whispering, you're as bad as everybody else, you haven't forgiven them. It's at that moment, on that journey of healing and restoration, you choose to say, I forgive them. Once more. You choose to let go once again. And it seems to me that Little by little, little by little, on that journey of forgiveness, we begin to let go and allow God to do his own thing within our own lives. And you see, some people argue, um, argue um, oh, we need to forgive and forget. You see, I, I can't agree with that. God forgives and he forgets because God chooses to. But let's be honest, we're human. We're far from God. And when you've been traumatised by, by life, there are scars in your life. And sometimes life events resurrect them and the scars come to the surface. That doesn't mean to say you've not forgiven them or that you've not been forgiven. It's simply like the scars on Jesus' hands. You're still carrying those things through life. Forgiveness is a journey. I've been on many a journey with people, little by little, letting go, letting go, letting go. And forgiveness is a gift, not a reward. Maybe you've been in that situation where, whereby um, 
you know, it's been the sense of, well, I'm not going to forgive them until they come and, 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 and bow before me and, and, and apologise and, and, and all that sort of ranting and raving. And you see, the problem is, if you're waiting for that person to come, you might be waiting a lifetime. And during that lifetime, you're holding on to all this bitterness, all this revenge, all this get them somehow. And do you know what it's doing? It's eating away at you, not necessarily at them. And forgiveness is cancelling the debt and letting go. forgot what I was saying before that. Never mind. Oh, it's a reward, that's right. And I'm not going to give them forgiveness unless they've done all of that. Did you realise that God had loved you and forgiven you when you were far off and dead in your sin? He didn't wait for you to come grovelling, but on the cross he went and died for you on the cross. Let me clarify. There appears to be some misunderstandings. I'm sorry, time's running away with me. But I just need to say some of these things. Forgiveness. There's some misunderstandings about forgiveness. Of people getting off scotch-free. Of people getting away with murder. You know, they do have the same God that we have to do with, to be answerable to. Forgiveness is not approving, excusing, justifying, denying the hurt, nor pretending it didn't happen. In the very act of forgiveness, you have accused somebody of a transgression, a debt that is owed. And to forgive is to name and condemn the misdeeds. It's not about being a soft touch or allowing someone to get away with murder. If the law has been broken, we're not meant to sweep it under the carpet, but we should allow justice to be done. Sadly, history tells us of how the church has, has not reported or pursued issues of justice for those who have been abused. Some yeah. moving on quickly. People who refuse to forgive only hurt themselves. Allowing the past to affect the present. So when you think the dust has settled and you've been hurt again by this certain person, you resurrect the past. Yeah, but what about? How many families and relationships have been destroyed because we've hung on to what they owe us? And it's destroyed families and it's destroyed churches too. How can we love one another as Christ has loved us and not be forgiving? I 
I never said it was easy as we work this through. Research indicates the physical and psychological results of unforgiveness, be that stress and anxiety and stomach ulcers and high blood pressure and tension headaches and joint pains and poor sleep. I know some of you are sat there now and go, oh, yeah, I've ticked all those boxes. That doesn't, that doesn't mean to say you've not forgiven someone. But they can be some of the knock-on effects of us internalizing it all and not letting it go. Godly forgiveness is unlimited. Offered to you moment by moment. And with God's help, let us seek to reflect Him in our deeds and actions. Maybe we who are seeking forgiveness, forgive need to do I'm cutting this right back (laughs) what do we need to do maybe you realise this morning you're in massive debt before God and you need to cry out for mercy like that servant that he wouldn't treat you as your sins deserve so come right now in the simplicity of prayer acknowledging your failings and receive his forgiveness that you might know for yourself that cancelled debt and be set free. Maybe you just can't forgive and it's destroying you and you need to call on God's help. Invite him in once again and release that situation to God. Maybe you've forgiven, but not let go. Forgiveness is an act of the will. You choose. You decide to forgive and let go. We need God's help. Let's invite him once again into our situation. Forgive as you have been forgiven so generously. Max Lucado said, I will live forgiven. I will forgive so that I may live. May we know of his healing and restoring touch in our lives together as we know afresh of that unlimited forgiveness of God towards us and as we allow that to be passed on to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are an open book before you. You see us just as we are. Lord, you know the mess that some of us have got ourselves into. Lord, you know those who have been drifting backwards rather than coming towards you.
we just take this moment now to use it as an opportunity of a God encounter that being here at the right time in the right place that this is a God moment when we come to you and we acknowledge just like that servant of old we're in a massive debt and we plead for mercy so Father we say that we're sorry sorry for the things that we've done through ignorance through weakness through our own deliberate fault we acknowledge that Jesus has died once and for all for all our sins and we pray Lord that now by the work of your spirit you might apply that wonderful love and forgiveness of the cross to us by your Spirit, that the debt might be wiped clean and that you might set us free. We pray too, Lord, for each other, for those in difficult places, in families and in workplaces where people have just been really hurt where we've carried burdens of pain for years and it keeps rearing its ugly heads Father God we bring that situation to the foot of the cross and we let go of it and we would want to just release you by your spirit to do your own sovereign work of grace in that situation. In the name of Jesus, would you help us to make good choices, wise choices? Would you help us to be careful what we say? Would you help us not to add coal to the fire? Would you help us to pass on that unlimited forgiveness and in so doing know of your healing touch upon us come Holy Spirit we pray and change us to be more like Jesus and we ask it in his name Amen